Okay, we are recording. I should have thought of an intro. Yeah. Uh, we'll just go with that. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Press Start Podcast. Here I am, Dalen, your host, along with my good friend, Dayton. Not confusing at all. Uh, Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are here today. This is our first episode, uh, so we'll be doing it weekly, semi-weekly, pretty much as much as we can. We're all in school, so it won't be too regular, but we're going to try our best. Uh, we're going to be looking at different games from various perspectives, both consumer and design level perspectives. Uh, I am myself a game design major and have been playing video games for a very, very long time. And so has everybody else on this podcast. We know we've all grew up playing video games and stuff like that. So, well, we might know not all the uh, not not all the specifics. We do generally know what we're talking about. So hopefully we can make this entertaining and do something with it. Uh, so today I think we're going to talk about Destiny. Uh, Destiny is a game that we both played for a very very long time. What we played like. 12, 1300 hours or something like that over the last yeah. few years, I guess, in Destiny I 1? So, Destiny 1 on Xbox, at least for me, is a little over 1100 hours. And then on PS5 right now, as I think 300-ish hours. So, you could say we're a little experienced. Yeah, we do generally know what we're talking about. <laughs> we dabble. <laughs> we dabble, we dabble, we dabble. Uh, so, the first thing I wanted to talk about with destiny one we're going to start with destiny one go for Destiny, and then we'll move on to destiny two this will be a longer format podcast so but there's no rush to talk about anything here um so what i wanted to talk about first is nostalgia and how much it kind of affects destiny one and i wanted to talk about specifically like how bad the droughts were in destiny one Mm -hmm. like i know you're good at this too so like kind of taking off the nostalgia glasses and kind of looking at you know destiny one was although it was a good game had some serious serious problems especially right. early on and so i just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on content droughts and that sort of stuff yeah so i think you know growing up um whether you know, you got games for Christmas and everything. You went downstairs, you unwrapped everything. Oh, I got Black Ops 2 for Christmas. You know, oh, I got Destiny for Christmas. You know, stuff like that. Um, I think when you're younger, there's just a lot of nostalgia that really gives more love for certain things. And I think when you get older, it kind of loses that factor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, So... I think, you know, right when the game started, right when I got the game, um, you know, I, I beat the campaign in, uh, I think it was two school nights because I couldn't do the last three missions because it was like really past my bedtime at the time. <laughs> um, but these were, these were some of the, like the best missions in my eyes, you know, that I've played. You know, the story's not great. You know, Destiny 1, the story's not great, but it's just playing the game with friends is something that, you know, will be a part of my life forever. Um, 
you know, it kind of formed our friend group, so to speak. And we'd always, um, you know, play the game together, raid together, do all those things. Um, basically, I remember right when the Dark Below came out, you know, it had those three campaign missions. Yeah, pretty sure. And then it had, sure. yeah, and then it had Crota's End, and then that was it. And then it's like, you yeah, have... You got this for three months. Yeah, you have a few months in between that and... Um, what was the second one called? House of Wolves. Uh, House of Wolves, yeah, House of Wolves. Um, where it had... That one didn't even have a raid. That was the Prison of Elders, which Prison of Elders was great. And I'm not... I'm not shading Prison of Elders, but I think... Um, I think a raid would have benefited more at the time because, you know, it's just the droughts between that and the Taken King, then the Taken King to Wrath and right. um, see the Siva and everything, and then that drought till, you know, Destiny 2. There are a lot of... There's just a lot of time in there with uh, not many things to do, so you kind of look for things, and I think that's... You know, obviously we have a lot of fun when the content comes out, but... Right. When uh, there's no content, you kind of look for things to do, you know, with yeah. your friends. You kind of try to um, look for new things to complete and, like, you know, going out of world and glitching the game and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, trying to get your, your best, uh, like, nightfall run or crucible runs or trials well, and stuff like that. And I know that was something that was big for us because not only were we avidly playing but we were like really playing. I know for right. a while there, at least in year one, especially, I think we joke and it's kind of a joke, but kind of a not that probably half a third to half of my hours from destiny one came from the first year Yeah, of the game. And I think a lot of that is because we were younger. And so there wasn't as much, you weren't thinking about the fact that you weren't doing anything new. Mm hmm. You know, we were running, you know, hours and hours of PvP in a single day. And that is something that I can't, I just don't play that much PvP anymore. And <laughs> like, I think some of that is, you know, obviously the whole, the community's better. And as I've played other things, I've gotten worse. But like, when you look back at it, and especially around the dark below days, I mean, I would play at Destiny for at least an hour, two hours every day after school. And then on weekends, I'm six, seven hours a day, probably every day. And mm. I think that was pretty much our whole friend group because, and you mentioned earlier that it kind of made our group that, you know, we were all kids that went to school together, but didn't necessarily all talk to each other. That then right. we became friends through this game. And I'm still friends with those people to this day that mm. and i think destiny especially is a game that builds a community and that's something i want to touch on later uh once we start talking about destiny 2 is like community involvement and all that kind of stuff but mm. i thought playing it and going back and you know getting like what we got that crazy crota's end time we were super high in the yeah. world at one point like in the world yeah, behind the world data. at one point so we got uh, we got up there really well um and you know like playing pvp getting onto that pvp legends site was a big thing for us that we tried to do mm -hmm. you know trials all that 
Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember um, just to touch on Dusty 2 for a moment when uh, I think it was after a Crucible game, I get a message from someone and they were like, oh, are you from Special Engagement Team, which was our Destiny 1 clan name? And um, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird that, you know, people find you even though, you know, you're not yeah. a part of that clan anymore. You're a different clan because, you know, most of our friends stopped playing the game because the droughts and stuff, um, it's just crazy for those people to kind of look up at you and, you know, like veterans of the game, you know, people are like, Oh, I know who that is. You know, they're a part of this. Um, I think that's another thing that really, you know, brings the community as a whole together. It's just, you recognize people, you know, you want to start watching people who play the game, you know, you like how they play it like this. It's just, it's a very, it's a very good game uh, community wise. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really cool that, people recognize you for things you did, you know, five, six years in the past and they still recognize your gamer tag. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Well, and I think like piggybacking off of that, you know, we didn't stream like we'd stream occasionally, but you know, you had, we'd get one or two viewers because mm-hmm. we didn't do it consistently enough. You know, we weren't YouTubers. We were just kids that loved the game and we hit that sweet spot of age where you pick shit up super quickly Right, and so we just got really good, really fast, and we're yeah. super dedicated, and right. you know that is just a recipe for success. And like you were saying, you know, there's been a few instances of us all playing together, you know, running it back or something, and someone will get a message, you know, in a crucible game or you know in the tower or whatever, and it's just so weird. And everybody talks, like all the content creators talk about this, that it's weird to get recognized at the beginning and like when you meet someone out in public for the first time and they recognize you, like that's the weird part. And for us, that was our equivalent of meeting someone at a grocery store that watches our YouTube channel. Right. It was, there was a dude in the tower of, you know, this, you know, hundreds of millions of player base, this massive game that recognized our gamer tag. And like, Mm -hmm. we didn't advertise ourselves, you know, we didn't put our names out there It was someone noticed us from the leaderboards and that is super super cool yeah he was just he was like yeah we were trying to chase your time and crows in but we can never get it and you know us as kids we never really paid attention oh what's the world record for this you know we were just just playing it for fun and we kind of happened to be second in the world you know it's kind of crazy saying that but we happen to be up there and you know those teams behind us are trying to beat us but you know, we were just kids having fun playing a game that we all loved and, you know, uh, you know, bonded with our friends every day at school, come home, play Destiny on the weekends, you know, sometimes hang out for someone's birthday. Everyone from our Destiny friend group would be there. You know, we just had that chemistry. We'd all, you know, our our brains were all put together and we'd, yeah. you know, try to um, get some teamwork going there. And I think, you know, it's it's a really good thing to have growing up and you know, still talk to, like you said, still talk to most of those people today. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on briefly, just like what you were saying is that we weren't, you know, I'm, you know, we were sweating because we were obviously, you know, you always want to do the best you can, but Mm. we weren't, you know, nothing but, you know, elite communication and all that shit. We just did it, especially with Crota because it was so easy and, you know, we could do it in, 
20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, whatever, whatever our time was that mm. we could just, you know, it was down to a science. It was, you know, you'd skip from the jump from the second lamp, you know, to skip up to the eighth lamp or whatever it was that would save yep. you a ton of time. You know, right. it was killing yourself at the bridge and then self-resing and jumping across, you know, it was all the cheese that maybe not everybody's using, but we learned because we'd watch the content and then for whatever reason we were just executing at a high level. And so mm -hmm. that is always, it's always fun to look back on. Um, and then switching gears, I wanted to talk about raids in general. So I wanted to, you know, and you and I are both big raiders. We've always been bigger PVE than PVP people. Right. So I wanted to kind of get your opinions on this. So I wanted to talk about the raids both kind of when they came out and it'll be harder for vault of glass and crotazan especially just because it was a little bit longer ago but mm. like I, I vividly remember taking king and rat or um uh king's fall and wrath when they came out so i wanted to talk to you kind of briefly about raids and kind of like maybe get a little bit of a tier list going and what you thought was good and bad about each raid specifically yeah, so the good thing is I was watching uh, Data's video last night on uh, on hot takes for raids and stuff. I also and saw so that kinda, video. <laughs> yeah, this, this kind of got me thinking about it, and I was like, hmm, what would be my my rank? So are we including Destiny 2, or are we just going for Destiny 1? Uh, we're going to do Destiny 2 later. We're going to come back to this. So Okay. Um, so Vault of Glass. Yeah, that was really early. Um, I, do, I do remember uh a little and bit about it something real quick i do want to say real quickly is that we weren't you know we weren't into the world's first stuff at this point you know we were just kind of playing it we'd play and then get up to level and then raid when we felt like it you know we weren't scheduling raids and stuff like that we were just kind of playing so yeah because at that time there was no contest mode it was no. which which I'll get to that later, but like the thing what, taking King about... was the first world's first, right? Right. Sure? Yeah. Well, no, no, because Data won for Vault of Glass. I think Vault they had world's first. I guess they technically yeah. did world's first, but um, so like you had to level up each week. You know, there would only be a certain amount of things you did, and raids yeah. were the in-game pinnacle to get the highest power level. Yeah, the pinnacle for Destiny One. And we're we're gonna um, talk about that later too. We're gonna yeah. talk about the leveling system. So, um, I always thought that that was fun, you know, getting together every week, and that was a that played a factor um, into when we did the raids because you know we wouldn't be the highest of power levels the first weekend or the second weekend after an expansion came out, so we couldn't do the raid till three, four weeks later when we could all get get together on a Saturday night, Friday night, you know, whenever we were all free. Um, and it, Vault of Glass was, you know, obviously the first raid I did. It was it was great. You know, the nostalgia factor, kind of what we were talking about. Um, I think Vault of Glass is great. It just, it does take a while. And I think back then, you know, we did have a lot of time, but, you know, the weekends were kind of you know, short at that point because the weeks would just be filled with homework and then maybe getting to play Destiny one or two hours a night and then having to go to bed and get up early for school in the next morning. Um, so I think at that time I loved Vault, but I think it was too long. And once 
Crota came out, you know, it would take what, like 30 minutes, maybe if that, um, to complete and, you know, you'd get loot every week and it'd be great because it wouldn't take long, you know, as fast. It was a good raid, you know, today it'd probably be considered a dungeon, but it was a great raid. Um, and there's a lot of nostalgia from that because, you know, jumping on top of the map, use an icebreaker, shooting stuff across the across the way to get to those plates. Um, you know, that was really fun. Uh, it was just a that was that was a fun raid. It was quick. It was fast. It was fun. You know, you'd have, you know, really funny ways to die sometimes. But it was it was fun. Um, yeah. And so then, I kind of want to go off of what yeah. you were saying. So like with vog and stuff like i think vog is great one of my personal favorites but i think similar to what you were saying it's long and i don't i just don't think it holds up purely because right just the company and the game have grown so they have Mm -hmm. more money and more staff and the ability to do more complex mechanics and stuff like that like i think the oracles and stuff is still super cool. I love the oracle bit, especially with Atheon. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the coolest mechanics they've ever done. Um, but I think it just doesn't quite hold up from mm-hmm. an objective point of view. But subjectively, right, like it's my favorite. It's one not right. my favorite, but probably third. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, like, it. yeah, it's a good raid that was great and really great for the time in D1. Like, I think mm-hmm. in D1 is very arguably the best raid in all of D1. And you, mm-hmm. Like, if someone said Fog, I would understand that. But I think now it's just kind of not held up. And I think that was even exacerbated by when it came back in the D2 that you just kind of felt like the mechanics lagged behind a little bit. So Right. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it was just kind of longer. Um, and then we move on to King's Fall. King's Fall was, like, the first, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say challenging, but it was... It was definitely it, the it was hardest like, one. Yeah, it was, it was long, maybe longer than Vogue was. Um, it did have a lot of bosses. You know, the mechanics were kind of hard to figure out at first. Um... But I think Taken King has that, you know, has the nostalgia factor, but it was also a really good raid. It's not just nostalgia, you know. Um, the mechanics would always, you know, be fun. They wouldn't be boring. I'm not saying Vogue is boring. I'm just saying it got kind of repetitive. But Taken King, um, it just felt like this big, spooky, you know, like this big ship you go on and... um I just thought all the all the encounters were really good, and I thought that they did really well with the boss fights, especially, you know, Oryx, who is this big dude who's a thousand times bigger than you as a guardian. Um, like the size really played a factor. You know, it lagged your game, but it was you know he was huge, um, right. and I think that had like a big fear factor, especially you know Golgoth and war priests you know they were really big and it was really dark all the time and i think it was like a one of those like spooky raids like those scary raids and i really liked the dark factor of it and i think that's why it's one of my favorite ones i think that's an excellent point that so king's fall is my personal favorite destiny one raid i think king's fall was very very well done 
Mm-hmm. And I think it does suffer that I think it's long. I think it's a pretty damn long raid. I think it yeah. might be, other than maybe like uh, Crown now, I think it might be the longest raid. Like it takes a while, purely just because there's so many bosses. And there's a few jumping puzzles too, which don't help if you fuck it up like we did. Right. But I think, like you were saying, the atmosphere is great. Like the Dreadnought is a super, super cool place. And what's also amazing about it is that Oryx, right, is this huge, big villain that has been kind of hyped up and in the main focus of the whole campaign. And Mm -hmm. even before that had been talked about kind of for a while in Destiny. You know, like our first expansion is Crota, son of Oryx. So you kind of always have this. We know how powerful Crota was. You know, we got all this insight from Eris about Crota. And then it's like, oh, shit, here's his dad, Oryx. Who's yeah, who's the father. RP, like, yeah. So and then, you know, we go through this campaign and he's snatching all these bosses left and right and taking them into his army and that kind of, that kind of thing. And then you get to the raid and you get through, you go through the portal in Court of Oryx. And kind of just all hell breaks loose in that first encounter. Mm-hmm. The first encounter is great. You know, you get that. You have to rotate with the blessings and the pads and all that. And I think the pacing of King's Fall is done very, very, very well. And like you were saying, there's that. Oryx is a little bit spooky, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the final bit. And even with um, his daughters, the encounter before oryx you know the death singers Singers, yes they're this just these just massive massive hive gods that will instantly wipe your entire team i know that's you know all raid encounters have a wipe mechanic but oryx and the death singers felt particularly aggressive and like harsh with the wipe mechanics much less forgiving Mm -hmm. is what they felt like so right. it was a good kind of alternative to Crota's end, which was the last raid we got, which was pretty much a strike at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the Death Singers sounded kind of weird, too. They sounded kind of scary. Everything was, like, kind of scary. You know, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to Wrath, Wrath the Machine, uh i didn't i remember when the trailer came out for uh rise of iron and you know it had saladin you know had the iron lords um we never really found out about them until iron banner came you know that week in that month right uh and you'd see lord salad just sitting there and be like here's bounties here's gear you know and then the fell winter's lie was the holy grail you know um it was insane but you never really knew the backstory unless you went through the war pages. And, you know, as 15, 16 year olds, we didn't really do Fuck that. You know, we didn't really have, yeah. Uh, um, but once we got to, uh, once we got to the expansion, um, I think it was a really cool, you know, we kind of had those five story missions where it was Sepix perfected. You know, there was this yeah. big thing called Siva that's like, aids in physical form you know it's (laughs) it's it's something that's really strange you know these red pixelated things in this big machine that's controlling all these enemies and stuff 
you know, it's kind of a weird concept, but once you kind of, you know, understand it and learn about it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, the raid, I, I really liked it. I think, hmm. I, I don't know what it was about it. It just, it was really good, but some things, you know, were kind of, I don't know what the word is for it. It just, it, it doesn't strike me like King's Fall does, I guess. And I hate to compare it to, you know, other raids, but it just, it, you know, King's Fall was so strong that Wrath of the Machine kind of felt like a raid layer. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it was, it was still really good. And they kind of mixed in the the fear factor in there as well, like uh, like scale when you're going into that last boss room and you go down that that big flight of stairs with that big yeah. like obsidian thing surrounded by this red, you know, vast sea. Um, and you go in there and it's just this this dude that has like robot legs and you're like, this is the thing that's controlling it all. You know, it's pretty scary. But um, I think it had really cool mechanics. I don't think it's the best raid of Destiny One, but I think it did have really cool mechanics and really cool, um, you know, things to do. Especially that that machine encounter where you have to shoot the certain things, put the certain parts in certain places. You know, I think that was that was pretty cool. But I just I don't think it had enough wow factor for me to say it's better than King's Fall. I'm saying it's it's definitely a good raid, but I don't I don't really think it's the best raid in destiny one uh solely because i think there's just it felt like sometimes there are some things missing i don't think there were maybe there should have been one more encounter maybe there should have been another puzzle or something but just didn't feel you know long enough i guess and not saying that short raids are bad i'm just saying that if you're gonna put out like kind of like king's fall vog you know crota's end is a different story um but i think if you're gonna put out a raid like Wrath, it needs a little bit more, and then I could definitely uh, see it being on King's Falls level or a little bit above it because you know it's just I think it's just missing that one thing. But I, I do think it was a really good raid. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Wrath had a lot of very good things going for it, and I think just like King's Fall and Taking King as a whole, I think Rise of Iron excelled with the atmosphere and kind of like the you know the overall like feel of the expansion right there's this big thing siva you know we know about the iron lords we know they're they were pretty cracked right we know the iron lords were very very powerful and yet in the intro cutscene when you first boot up the game here's this cutscene of all but Sa all the iron lords but saladin being killed by siva so mm -hmm. there's this wildly powerful, essentially plague that is sweeping through the Cosmodrome and the EDZ that is just kind of taking over. And so I thought that bit was really, really cool. You know, it's changing enemies. It's doing all these different things. And then I thought Wrath was fantastic. I thought the encounter where I don't remember what it's called, but when you're on the big essentially tank and you have to go fetch the parts from in front of it. Yeah, the, the machine them, part. Yeah, yeah, the machine part. I thought that that encounter is beautiful. I love that encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I agree with a lot of your points that I think Wrath was very very well done, but it suffered and appears to be worse because it 
came after King's Fall, which was so very, very well done that I think purely because King's Fall was so well and done so well that I think Wrath then suffers because of that. But I also want to say that Wrath had, I thought the bosses, like design-wise, were maybe mm-hmm. the best ones of D1. Maybe other than yeah. like the War Priest. I thought the War Priest is, is an amazing encounter. Yes. But I think like design wise and character wise and like map layout, I thought Wrath was super cool and even the the mechanics on the final boss for Atrax, the with the different servitors and stuff like that. The I thought that was super yeah. cool. Yeah. And something else about like Rise of Iron, I know we're not we're talking about raids right now, but we can kind of move on from that a little bit. Um, is that Rise of Iron brought the swords, right? Mm-hmm. Rise of Iron yep. introduced the exotic swords, and exotic swords are such a massive, and swords in general, right, are massively, massively popular and and good in D two. You know, Dark mm-hmm. Drinker was crazy in D one. Dark Drinker was probably mm-hmm. other than like original Galley and Sleeper, maybe like the best heavy that Destiny had at that point. Yeah, and you know we kind of got that now in D two with Guillotine. But I thought the exotic swords and swords in general were just a super unique addition that has been such a that is now such a staple for the game that that has right. to be a boost for Rise of Iron. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so I remember. I think it was the. I think, yeah, it was the Dark Drinker quest that I did first. And, you know, you'd get the legendary sword from, I think it was Shax. And then you do yeah. all that grind and stuff. And you finally get the sword. And it's like, there are only these three swords. There's uh, the Dark Drinker, the Raze Lighter, and the, what was it, like, Arc Logic or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Um, But, you know, it's just it's so new that you're like, you know, it's a new weapon, kind of like the glaive for witch queen. Yeah. It's, it's just this new weapon that you're like so obsessed with. Cause it's like, you don't know what to do with it. You know, you have rocket launchers, you have uh, machine guns and all that, but you don't, you use them all the time and know what to use them for. And swords, it's kind of like Bungie just threw in this experiment to see you know, do they break the game? Are they good for this kind of damage? Uh, stuff like that. And I think it was a really good experiment for um, for that time in the game. And, um, you know, using it is really fun. And also uh, them transferring swords to Destiny 2. You know, like you said, uh, Guillotine and the Lament and everything that's in, you know, Destiny 2. Those are big parts of, like, movements, you know, damage. Um they're a big part of a lot of things. And I think it's really cool to see something like so small start out in destiny one. And then when they finally started releasing them, like the, the arc one and the falling guillotine with that, uh, with that expansion, uh, in destiny two, I think it was, was it Warmind? Guillotine was, um, was season? I think beyond light. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was the season like after Beyond Light or something like that. Yeah, it was. Some, it, it might have been Arrivals or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Arrivals. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, seeing those swords, like them carry over the swords to Destiny Two, and you know, something starting out so small, and then 
having all these, you know, exotic swords and legendary swords and, you know, even rare swords that they added. Um, I think it's really cool to see that happening. And, you know, of course, bringing back old exotics from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, you know, that's never going to be a problem. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's really cool how, um, you know, they started with these little experiments in Destiny 1 and brought them to Destiny 2. I think it's really cool. And then, so the last thing I, that I want to talk about on D1, kind of before we shift gears on to D2, is that I want to talk about um, the leveling changes that happened with, I think it was, was it Taken King when they changed the leveling? I'm pretty sure it was Taken King um, that, when they changed yeah. the light system. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Taken King, but... I know you know what I'm talking about, so I want to talk about that real quickly. So yes. for anyone that didn't necessarily play during this time, uh, in on release and the first year of Destiny, light was low. Your light level went up to 30 and then 32 for Dark Below and then 34 for um, House of Wolves, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure those were the numbers. Yes. And so the only way of achieving max level was rating. And so th this is still a pretty hot topic, I think, is what to do with getting to max level. Mm -hmm. um, so and the other thing that is also very important when talking about this is that nothing outside of the raids, the hard mode raid required you to be max level. Everything else mm -hmm. in the game, like nightfalls and all that sort of stuff. Oh, you know, you didn't have to be max level. You weren't going to be under level going into it if you hadn't done the raid. And I think that is a big change that is something that's obviously very different now in D2 that in D2, you know, you kind of have to be max level in order to do the true end game stuff to do like raid challenges and GM nightfalls and that kind of stuff. You kind of really have to be max level and I, and I think to an extent that's kind of chased away some of the player base not necessarily chased away but has gate kept some of the content like i know myself outside of maybe the first season or two when gms were really a thing right around i think it was right around um beyond light maybe a little beforehand I didn't, you know, I haven't done GMs in a very, very long time just because I'm, you know, now in college, we're in college, I'm doing other things, playing other games, all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the time to get to max level because purely you are time gated trying to get to max level. You know, you can only do it so quickly since you mm -hmm. have to get pinnacle drops each week and there's the limited number. Um, so I kind of wanted to get a few of your thoughts on kind of the differences good the bad and you don't have to explicitly say which one you thought was better but you know that kind of discussion yeah so i remember you know like i touched on earlier the the raids were the the activities that gave you you know the highest gear and everything um and that was up till I just looked at it. it was up till uh you know you had you still had the old way of taking king uh light leveling but then when you got to um rise of iron it okay. went up to 400 light instead of um, right. level 36 i think it was for taking king um and you know, it had that little light bar that would progressively go up you know as you started to level right. up um i think um 
this is this is a big one because like it's a pretty sensitive thing in a big topic. It's, it's really changed you know like you said it's really changed the player base and some people don't play it anymore until like a big new expansion comes out and then they'll go play their other games and they'll come back for the next season play it for a week or two and then go back um and that's what i think you see a lot of streamers doing like glad what he does now you know he used to be solely destiny he would not play anything else and now you see him playing spider-man jedi fallen order you know god of war other stuff on a stream and he's considered as a variety streamer and then you have these new streamers coming in that'll just solely play destiny 2 and then maybe one two years down the road they'll just get tired of how the leveling system is and everyone's I have, for a while, everyone's been trying to get something to change out of it because it's the same thing over and over again. There are droughts just like in Destiny 1. It's been going on for, you know, eight, nine years. You know, it's been the same thing over and over again. Um, and that's why you see a lot of these streamers, you know, playing the game solely, getting tired of it, and then going to play other games. So it's it's very it's very challenging for, you know, Bungie to make, you know, to appeal to everyone you know you're not going to appeal to everyone you're going to appeal to you know like the middle class gamers so to speak that's the ones you want to get because that's most of your uh, player base base, yeah right so it's very hard for them to adapt to what everyone wants and i think um you know they made that change in destiny one to the light and everyone started liking it when destiny two came out and then the droughts started happening again. Then everyone starts to fall off. Just like what kind of happened with our friend group is um, we played the beginning of destiny Two, you know, the campaign with gall and everything. And then we did the Leviathan raid all together. And that was the last raid we really all did with each other. And then we kind of started playing different games, you know, life became a factor, you know, you go to college, stuff like that. You don't have time um, for too much stuff. And, the good thing is for me, I do I do have a lot of time because I do school from home. Um, this is my last semester doing it. But, um, you know, I have time to do school at home on my laptop, you know, go get a workout in. Uh, you know, I'll have a lot of time to game at night. And some people don't really have that luxury because, you know, they have to go to class every day. You know, they have schedules, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it's very hard for people to, you know, get back to the game and play so that you can level up to get to this, you know, certain point where, you know, you're good for all the activities in the game. You know, it takes it takes a good amount of time and Destiny is all about grinding. So you grind up to this uh this point in the game, you can do this activity. You know, if you're uh the max power level, you can do everything, but um it's just certain light levels uh or certain activities require certain light levels. And if you're not that light level you have to get carried by other people or, you know, you can't do the amount of damage other people can do. And I think it's, it's very hard for those people who, you know, don't have necessarily people to play the games with. Um, They've done a lot of good stuff with new light and, you know, guided games, trying to get people to play with them and then adding people to clans and stuff, you know, that's really good. But I think they need to find some kind of way in order for everyone to, uh be able to do this content without grinding you know uh, obviously you do need a set amount of time for people to get up because you don't want the game to feel too easy 
but there does need to be some kind of leveling system put in place where, you know, you can kind of do it on your own time. Um, you know, there's this stuff available to you because there's not too much stuff available to people with lower level. And, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time for you to get up to that level. If you haven't played the game before, you know, New Light, you start out at 1100 power. And for Strikes, you have to get up to 1150. That's just, you know, grinding the main, you know, campaign missions that there are, but they kind of vault them and take them out of the game. So you basically just have to take, play uh, Strikes, Crucible, and Gambit, which are the three core modes, to get blues, you know, to get to that light level. So it's very... The leveling system is not where it needs to be. They're on the right track, but I would like to see them do something differently when it comes to, like, you know, the powerful stuff you get from the core modes and, like, Pinnacle and stuff. I think it they need to do something different in order for people to come back to the game, really start enjoying the game again instead of people coming back for two to three weeks, you know, playing the game, um... Some people get in the max light level, some people not having time, and then reset comes, and you're like, oh, I didn't get to finish this or this, uh, you know, with their quests or whatever objective they're trying to complete. And it's very hard for people to do that within a set amount of time. So I think it's it's necessary for them to try to change it a little bit so that people want to come back to the game other than just these major expansions that they put trailers on and make look pretty on the internet, you know, put those right. pop-up ads on the side and be like, oh, Witch Queen on this date. You know, everyone's coming back right, for that, right. but they're only going to be here for A two weeks, weeks and yeah. they're just going to leave. Um, you know, myself included, it's been that way the <laughs> past, well, beyond light. But, um, you know, I, I do still play the game a good bit, but I have gotten to the point where it's just like, you know, it's kind of the same thing over again. I'm still going to play the game a shit ton. You know, that's not yeah. going to change. But it's very hard for me to um, come back and be like, oh, there's this amount of content. And, you know, I'm going to probably play it for three or four weeks. You know, I hope every time is different. I'm very optimistic. But that's usually the outcome is, oh, I'm going to play it for three weeks. And I'm going to, you know, slowly climb, play other games that come out, which I don't mind playing other games. You know, I'm going to get bored of playing destiny for eight hours a day right but i need this kind of uh factor for me to want to still play the game for a a good amount of time a good amount of weeks before that next season comes out you know two three months later you know i need i need something to keep me going yeah and i think we're we're generally in the same boat on this topic that We've both, you know, obviously we love Destiny 2. Destiny 2 has obviously been a huge part of my life, even, you know, approaching just as long as D1. Mm. But, and so obviously we both love this game, but I agree with you that it is to the point where, and this has been the topic for a very, very long time with Destiny 2, that the leveling system is not great. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Do you decrease it, increase it, make it harder to gain levels, make it easier to gain levels? You know, I don't know what you do, but something has to be changed. And I, they, Bungie knows this. Bungie knows this. So they're, they're trying. And, you know, they'll keep experimenting. And I doubt they'll ever find the solution. But something I think needs to be changed. So that yeah. I think is something that is important. 
and obviously the Destiny 1, the original leveling system wasn't perfect either, but I think it might have been better in certain ways, but also worse in certain ways because now, and I think the des the leveling system now is natural for where the game went. Like, you couldn't have Destiny 2 in this exact form now with the old leveling system. Like, that just wouldn't, mm -hmm. it wouldn't work. So, obviously, stuff would change. And I think the way, what they changed it to was good. And I think that's what they needed to change it to. But I think, obviously, some sort of solution needs to present itself and needs to be found in order right. for them to really kind of push it on and keep it going. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think, just like you said, we're, you know, approaching that time where Destiny 2 has been... You know, it has been, been longer for than a long Destiny time. 1. Uh, um, you know, the Destiny 1 drought, you know, it didn't feel like much the first time around. But once it started, you know, picking up and you still you had more months without content, it was kind of boring. Um, and then they switched up the leveling system for Rise of Iron. And that got a lot of people back, a lot of people playing the game, you know, a lot of people wanting to play the game for a certain amount of hours a day and you know playing it uh you know a longevity of time you know that they're playing it for and it's it's not just three to four weeks and then i'm done playing another game um and with destiny 2 i don't think they've done that you know it's been out for a certain amount of years yes they have the dcv now the content vault where they vault planets and all that stuff but you know, that's not changing the leveling system in any way. I like where they're going with that, but in order for you to see the numbers that you still had and like, you know, I know Destiny 2 has grown a lot, but in order to see the people coming back, just like you did in Rise of Iron with all the changes, leveling system, you know, all that, I think there's something that needs to be changed with all the leveling and everything, and I think it needs to be done pretty soon or people are just going to stop buying you know the content for it yeah uh i completely agree and you know we've talked about this before personally that you know i just pre-ordered witch queen finally and up until now for every single expansion that the game has ever released i have bought the expensive version because i know mm -hmm. that i will keep playing the game and for the first time ever i didn't for the first time ever, you know, I bought the $40 version. I didn't get the $80 version. And I think that in its own weird way is like a perfect metaphor for kind of what's happening with the game. That I think they need to find something huge. And Witch Queen can very well deliver on that with Savathun, Hive Guardians. You know, the, it introduces a lot of potential for the future of Destiny, mm -hmm. I think, with this expansion. And I think it needs to be a home run. And if it's not, I think they're going to have some player base problems. Yes. Um, and then so switching gears I do want to talk about because we've been talking about leveling for a long time here I do want to talk about move on really to Destiny 2 I know we've been talking about it with leveling but so I want to talk about campaign specifically okay. original campaign with Destiny 2 the Red War so I want to talk about this in and I hate fully comparing it just because it's so much farther down the line than original Destiny campaign but obviously that's the part, you know, it's the most natural comparison. So I do kind of want to compare it to original Destiny campaign, kind of both length, game, you know, narrative, gameplay, you know, all this sort of stuff that goes along with the campaign. So I kind of want to get a few of your thoughts on, you know, like just it, the campaign in general. 
So I have been thinking about this for a while. It's, it's a very hot take. So, you know, Destiny 1, you're figuring out what you have with the light and everything. And then when you're with Gaul, he takes away from you. It's about regaining the light. You know what I mean? You have that, you know, a few minutes to use, you know, the powers you have with the light. And then it's all taken away. And I think that I would love to see, you know, the roles reversed. If, you know, it wasn't necessarily Gaul or anything, but if Destiny 2's campaign was Destiny 1's and Destiny 1's campaign was Destiny 2. You know what I mean? Because... Right. They introduced the darkness and stuff and everything, and that's what Destiny 1 talks about. But you never see any pyramid ships, you never see anything. It's just introducing new enemies, you know, Hive, Vex, all that stuff, which is fine. But I think, you know, in order to see how powerful and truly relevant the light is, that's why I think Destiny 2's campaign did a really good job on is, you know oh, if I don't have this power, it's very, very challenging for me to defeat these people because that's my main source of, you know, power and all that. That's what so we are that, as guardians. Yeah. Right. And Destiny 1, you know, they talked about the light and they, they mostly explained the different enemies within, you know, on the different planets, travel this planet, that's an enemy for that planet. This planet, that's the enemy for that planet. You know, you don't really dive into the light like you do in Destiny 2, like the first, you know two or three missions you're going to the shard of the traveler that destiny one never explained you know that fell off you know that big black space on the bottom of the traveler you're like why is that there you know they don't explain it till the second game but you know you go up to it you regain the light and you're able to use it you know you're able to gain you know now after the first super you get it from like a public event chest which i don't think that was great but other than that, you know, um, going different places, kind of like Taken King, you know, going different places to get your super. Like, you know, Titans went to Mercury. Um, Hunters went to, I think it was uh, Venus. And then Warlocks went somewhere. Um, you know, I didn't play Warlock too much. No offense. They um, went to the, um, it was a Crucible map on Earth. Okay. It was yeah, that, like Mars so, Crucible map with the inside bit. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it, it just, I think if you, you know, you really start to learn the core value of the light in Destiny 2, you know, you experience every ability. It teaches you what what can be done at this time, what can be done at this time in Destiny 1. I don't think it really explained to you about the light at all. You just kind of have these two starting subclasses that kind of level up as you go each story mission, and you're like... Oh, that's cool. You know, the skill tree was great in Destiny 1. I, I still want to see that in Destiny 2. You know, they've done great with stasis and stuff, and that's coming to every subclass in uh, Destiny 2, starting with Void 3.0 and Witch Queen. Um, I think they're that that's a great thing that they're doing, you know, like you said, changing the game. Um, but I think, you know, Destiny 2's campaign was just something that felt like, you know, you're gaining this power, and you're really learning how to wield it, but Destiny 1, you're just, you know, learning about new enemies, and you're not really learning what the game is really about, which is the Traveler and the Light, you know? And I think if those campaigns were reversed, I think that would be really cool, and I think that would almost be better for both games, because, you know, Destiny 1's story didn't add up to Destiny 1's game. Destiny 2's story right. did, but to an extent, and I think if you reverse those... Destiny 1 story talking about darkness. Darkness is very relevant in Destiny 2. You know, it's, it's on its way. 
Um, and then Destiny 1, it's just there's no sign of the darkness at all. So I think um, I think if you really reverse that, I think it'd be great. And getting to, you know, Destiny 2's story-wise compared to Destiny 1, I think the Gaul campaign was really cool. I think they did a lot of, you know, new things. You know, the second story mission was you... You know, on the ground, you see all these big cabal armies walking across these big new enemies and like, wow, that's, you know, that's terrifying. You know, if they actually saw you, they crush you in minutes because you don't have the light. You know, you're running around extremely damaged. Your ghost is damaged. He can't really talk. Um, I think they added a lot of new things in Destiny 2's campaign where it was just like, you know, wow, that's that's really cool. And going back to the Shard of Traveler and everything to get your new powers and everything. I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. You know, the dark forest they had, which was literally explaining the subclasses and the guardians that first used them and, you know, what enemies they use them on and stuff like that. I think that was a really cool way of explaining, you know, the core power of guardians, which is the light. Um, and I think in that aspect, they did a really good job compared to destiny one where it was just you know explaining to enemies and i think destiny one's campaign although confusing um was solid at the time you know it was it was very good at the time but you were still left confused at the end of uh the campaign because you just get this rifle from some stranger who's talking to someone on the other side and you never really find that out till beyond light you know that's a long time and you know put beyond light and destiny one so that you actually know who the stranger is you actually know who um anna bray and you know elsie bray who's the stranger you know it's just a lot of a lot of issues with the storytelling destiny one i think they did a lot better in destiny two story i don't think it was you know perfect um but i think they learned from their mistakes in the past and i think it was a lot better uh, um, you know, core story-wise, you know, gaining the light. Uh, Gaul was a great enemy, you know, and it had that one main enemy in Destiny 2 as well. It wasn't, you know, I mean, I know the Black Garden and stuff, but that's kind of thrown on you halfway through the campaign. It's like, oh, this is the bad, bad guy. You know, Destiny we have to fight a little not... all over the place. Right, it's just, you have so many things to do and not enough time to do it, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't have yeah. time to explain why I don't have time to explain. You know, it's just it's so much thrown at you at once. And then Destiny 2 is more fluid. Um, you know, you're learning a lot of new things. And I think uh, Destiny 2 did a really great job with their campaign. They learned a lot of things, but I just don't I, I don't think it's perfect. But I, I think I think they did a really good job introducing people to the game. And I think, you know, the campaign uh, should have stayed in the game instead of the new light stuff, but yeah. we'll, we'll probably talk about that later. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it just, I think Destiny 2 campaign was definitely better. Um, you know, you have the nostalgia factor for Destiny 1, but, you know, the campaign was fine. Like, we replayed it. Uh, yeah, we just a replayed it ago. a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it's great. It's always great going back to there, but it's just confusing. You know, you just go yes. back and it's just like, Very wow, cool. what the fuck happened? You know? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, but I think Destiny 2's campaign definitely is over Destiny 1's storytelling-wise. And, yeah, so I want to obviously piggyback off what you're saying, that I think 
the Destiny 2 campaign is, I think, leagues above the Destiny 1 campaign in pretty much every sense that I think there's not many areas in which the Destiny 1 campaign is better than the Destiny 2 campaign. I think, And I think that's kind of just natural that, you know, this was the second game compared to the first game, you know. It was a it was pretty much Bungie's first completely kind of their own game. I know Activision was there, but mm. you know, it was Destiny was largely other than Halo, and Halo kind of was all their own team, you know. This was a completely new team. It was their first real game. So I think the Destiny 1 original story not being great is completely understandable. And not that it wasn't good, not that it was necessarily that bad either. But I think, like you were saying, you know, it's a little bit separated. I think each, you know, each planet kind of has its own story, if that mm. makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, like when you spawn in Earth, you know, it's kind of like the fallen you know what the fuck are the fallen doing and we're kind of learning about ourselves in that process and then mm -hmm. the moon is you know hive crota all this kind of stuff and then venus is the vex and a few fallen here and there and then you know mars is the cabal in the black garden and i think it's just like what you were saying at the end of d1 you know we can we destroy the black garden but we never really understand what it was like they explain it to you in the game. They kind of tell you, you know, the Black Garden is the center of all darkness in the universe and all that. But, you know, that has largely and pretty much entirely been retconned in Destiny 2. Yeah. Pretty you much. know, so, so we don't still, we don't know what the Black Garden was really. And mm. I think that is cool, but also not good in a sense that they kind of just left Destiny 1 hanging in a way. Um, but I do completely agree that Destiny Two is pretty much takes the cake over Destiny One in pretty much every sense. Um, yeah. And so moving on from that, I think we're gonna talk about expansions real quickly. Um, I don't want to dwell too long on expansions, pretty much other than like we, we'll talk about Forsaken and we'll really talk about Beyond Light. Um, mm. but I do want to touch on um. Uh, fuck, I can't even remember it. Warmind and the Osiris one. I don't even remember what it was called. Yeah. But, um, and we're not going to spend long on this because they really weren't great. Um, no. I did want to yeah. somewhat compare them to taking, or um, not taking, oh God, um, Dark <laughs> Below and House of Wolves, but I really think that that the Destiny 2 ones are very clearly just a completely different tier than the Destiny 1 first expansions yeah so i think with i think in destiny 2 they tried to copy what destiny 1 was with the dark below and house of wolves let's just put out you know five mission expansions um out there and you know see how that works so, so we'll just have the same formula you know kind of how it is with leveling we'll have the same formula for these expansions and osiris was a shit show that was yeah. like that was the first expansion, I was like, wow, I am not really that happy with it's this. Kinda you know, was, it kind of It was kind of weird for me because I was like, Destiny has never really been necessarily bad for me. You know, the droughts, were, droughts weren't fun, but, you know, content... Typically, the content, content is good when it comes yes. out, and Osiris was yes. not. 
No, it was just these five-story missions. You learned about this dude that was a threat to humanity because he would, you know, alter time and all this panoptes. And, you know, it was, uh, I called him cocktees. But um, it it just wasn't, I don't know what it was. It just, the story was okay, but... After that, what are you doing? You're not really in the trials. Didn't even come out with it, did it? No, or was I it? Don't, I don't think it was. Well, yeah, it, it, it had been out at the beginning, but they disabled it for like over a year because it was so right. fucked up. And I was so, like, oh, maybe it'll come back here, but it never nope. did. And then Osiris is a cool character overall. You never, you never really learned about him in Destiny One. He was, he was a really cool character. I think that's the one really good job they did in, uh in this expansion was that uh, kind of developing, you know, Sagira and Osiris and the bond that they had. Yeah. I think and that was the best thing. That's something that I was going to mention really quickly. And I'll just say this and we can move on. But Osiris, I think pretty much did everything that he needed to do in the sense that Osiris, the character was the reason that the expansion had any sort of success, because I think if that was pretty much anyone other than Osiris, I think that expansion flops, not necessarily flops, but I think is even worse than it was, because I think it was a poorly done expansion with bad, not necessarily bad content, but not good content, a bad loop, you know, all that didn't it added, I guess, did they add Lost Sectors in that one or no, no, they were already in it. Um, the Osiris was base they were, game. They were base game, but you know, like it didn't really add anything new. It had the Infinite Forest, which was super fucking cool, but it wasn't open. For the first three it, playthroughs, uh, it was only available in missions. And I think it, if it was open to like in patrol and they did stuff with it, I think that would have been really good. But from a design perspective, I know how incredibly, incredibly challenging that would be since it was right. procedurally generated, so it's completely different every single time. So I know mm-hmm. how obnoxiously difficult that would be on the design team. Um, right. But I think Osiris, the character, is the reason... Osiris and Sagira are the reason that expansion succeeded in the way that it did. Um, yeah. And I think it's a very similar case for Warmind that, you know, Anna Bray has obviously been a very central character in a large mm-hmm. amount of D2, especially recently now with Elsie in it as well. I think Anna Bray was a pretty central character, especially right. during uh, towards the end of the Forsaken period and like after Dark Below in those first few seasons. I think she's been pretty pretty big and a pretty cool character, you know, a very different style. You know, she's not a guardian. So yeah, I think that I think, is cool. Yeah. I think what two things I want to mention was how... You know, Warmind, you never really knew too much about Rasputin except that one strike in Destiny 1 where Destiny it was, one, yeah. you know, the, the death lightning the bolts that would shit, one yeah. you that were annoying. Um, Fuck that but you never fall. really knew. Yeah, I know. I know. That was terrible. Um, and then explodey shanks and everything. Yep, but yep. when you get to Warmind's, um, I think it was really cool, you know, hearing Rasputin talk to you. Um, all this stuff happened. Anna Bray was a cool character. Uh, one thing they did pretty poorly was the whole, you know, worm god thing. These things are things that have yeah, been around for really centuries, and that you know, Oryx, Savathun, and um, the third sibling, uh, Zivu Arath, you know, did that. They were that they met 
um, when they had their reign together and then they kind of split up. But, um, uh, you know, it's just these worm gods are something that Oryx prayed to to be taken and, you know, Savathun to be, you know, really tricky and Zivarath to have all these armies, you know, they're these really powerful things. And then you make it a story mission. That's one thing in the Cyrus and Warminds, they had the story missions, but they'd also be strikes. So there's like no yeah. new no thing new in this. And then a war God is just a strike bot or a worm, a worm God is just a strike boss. And you, you know, you kill it. And then it's just like, Oh wow. You know, I thought this was this big, powerful it's, thing, yeah. but apparently it's not. Obnoxiously so, powerful um, being that you just one phase in a strike. Yeah. That thing. I, I just, I, I didn't really understand that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just... Yeah, yeah. It was a great uh, expansion, but, like, it's not, you know, kind of like Osiris. It was very short, uh, but I definitely did think it was miles better than Osiris because I was very I interested to see the Warmind and Abrae's character development, you know. I completely uh, agree, and I think I think Mars was really cool in Destiny 2. I think it was an entire, essentially an entirely different planet from the Mars we saw in D1, which I thought was super, super cool that they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I'm glad they didn't bring anything back. It was no, you know, recycled content, which is a big hot, you know, that's a pretty big word for Bungie, um, yeah. Destiny especially. But I think that, you know, I thought Mars the Planet itself was really cool. I thought it was pretty well mm-hmm. done. I thought obviously in, you know, Rasputin has been a big as a, big a character as anybody in the entire Destiny franchise ever since right. the, that expansion. So... Mm-hmm. I think in that um, sense, it did really well. Yeah. I also wanted to say a little thing about Escalation Protocol. I think that was pretty cool with uh, what they did there. Um, you know, I you agree. had the multiple rounds, multiple bosses. I think that was fun for the time being. You know, it did get old, but I think for the I time being. I think it was being, very it was, well done. Right. It was It was uh, pretty fun. I really enjoyed that. So, and then I want to move on to Forsaken. Um and I don't want to spend too too long on it because we do have a few more things to get through. Um, but and because I I want to spend a decent amount of time on Dark Below. Um, or not Dark Below. Uh, Beyond Light. Sorry. Okay. But so I think we're both of the same kind of opinion that Forsaken might be Destiny's best ever expansion, and I yeah. think that it was done so beautifully well both with i think the barons were super super cool really interesting kind of unique bosses Mm -hmm. and i thought what was really interesting about forsaken is that they were adventures like they weren't necessarily regular campaign missions if that makes sense like they were campaign missions but it was different you know, right. so I thought that was super interesting. I think the Tangled Shore was an unbelievably good don- uh, destination. I thought it was super mm-hmm. interesting, like really complex and deep. And, you know, obviously the spider has been a pretty crucial character, especially now with Crow when he came back. Um, and then obviously the whole Forsaken campaign was a masterpiece. I thought it was very, very good. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave us Last Wish, which might be the best destiny raid objectively um yes i you know riven is obviously super super cool a great raid Mm -hmm. and that was the dreaming city too and i think dreaming city and blind well the blind well might be the single best 
like non-match-made activity that Destiny has ever put out. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's necessarily even close of a debate. Debate. Maybe Court of Oryx is in there, and I think that's yes. maybe the only other valid one that you can really include in that conversation. Right. Um. So, yeah, this is well. This is a. This is a this topic. Was an expansion and a half. Yeah. Um. Oh shit! And yeah, it gave so... us the new fucking subclass—not new subclasses, but it gave us the new supers, which I totally yeah, forgot it about. The, the, it like gave the us the tether, three new supers: new, the blade yeah. barrage, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So going into Forsaken, um, you know, I don't really remember too much about it, but I remember I was very, very excited for it. And uh, oh no, we were. Uh, I'm pretty sure we were at your house because we, you, we had you, me, and Grant yeah. were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, we were at Grant's house the night before, I think, and then we went to your house the night after. It was something like that, yeah. Something, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like the big, big expansion. It was the first big expansion of Destiny 2. Um, yeah. And it the campaign was great, you know, like you said, the barons and everything. And, you know, cause the intro story mission, you know, it's this big prison, you know, you know, you did the prison of elders in destiny one, but you never really explored outside of the main arena where Varric sent bosses at you, you know, the big servitor sent bosses at you. Um, you never explored the prison itself, and I think they did a really good job scaling how big that fucking prison was, because that thing was huge. Um, and they did a really, really great job, um, you know, with the size, the scale of everything. Um, and then the first, you know, that trailer that came out before Forsaken, you know, had Cade pretty, you know, probably dying, you know, you, you saw, you saw, um... Crow standing over him, Aldrin standing over him, and was like, wow, Cade's going to die, you know? And you don't really see it happen till Forsaken. And the emotional factor of that happening really gets your Guardian going. You know, he talks in the cutscene. You know, you don't really see that too often in Destiny. Um, but it's really cool because, you know, you have this big, big character you know dying this big emotional factor that hasn't really happened in the game to anyone except the uh the speaker in destiny 2's original campaign which i love the speaker but he's not he's as not powerful as, as big Cade of a character is. as Cade. right because you have him in the taken king starting to make jokes starting to become this big character rise of iron 2 and um the original destiny 2 uh, campaign as well, but you have this emotional factor that drives your character to hunt down all these bosses, these barons, and it, you're right. It's not. It's not really a campaign. It's like you know. It's just this death hunt. It's like you're. It's like you're the Witcher, and you know all the all the barons are these monsters that are you know influencing these people to leave these towns and stuff. You know on the Tangle Shore and. um I think it's it's really cool how it's kind of this one big revenge tour to kill all these people that killed someone that was close to you and you know kind of giving into a little bit of a dark side um of your character and I think that was that was really cool how they 
set up the campaign and um they did all of that and i think you know the last mission was fantastic as well you had um I don't remember what his name was. Oh, the fanatic, the fanatic. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, and he had Aldrin in that last campaign mission in that big meatball with Heath. I, I don't. I still don't know what that was. Um, it's not a Taken Servitor. It's something else. No, it was, it was like an eye of it was, it was something to do with Riven. Yeah. Um, so I, I really think the campaign was the best, uh, or probably top two campaign that we've ever had taking king taking king was very good but um the taking king running it back recently i think it felt a lot shorter than it did feel uh, shorter than i remember when we went back and played it yeah you know you always have that nostalgia factor in the back of your head but uh i think the forsaken campaign it wasn't too long but i think it was it was long enough right right it was the right amount of length and i think they did a really great job with the campaign um and you know after that also uh to touch on exotics for a little bit i think that you know destiny one you would always you know the hype around galahorn you know i remember getting it when we did the raid with you and your brother and his friends and i yelled jesus christ and my mom about slapped the shit out of me you know (laughs) because i got it and i was like holy shit i got the galahorn um but it, it was just you know that you had these wow factors like when icebreaker dropped from a nightfall for me, you know, it was just huge, you know, RNG. Um, and they didn't really have that in destiny Two to start no, out not at all. And it, you just get exotics from public events. You know, it's kind of stupid cause you get all these <laughs> big powerful weapons and you're like, okay, what else is there to do in destiny Two? Yeah, cause you had that drought from right. You know, um, but forsaken kind of brought back that surprise factor um with all the weapons it had like it had lord of wolves you know queen breaker returned um it had all these new weapons and it was really really cool i enjoyed you know exotics dropping again other than the um that one baron that oh the trickster that that had the exotic ingrams yeah i got so pissed i got so excited like the mission starts and there's an exotic ingram in front of you you're like well, that just happened you pick it up and it's like oh there's a debuff on me now you know that's kind of i was like oh, soon. right um but getting the exotics from that expansion were so much fun because you know it's just it was random it, again right it was random and it was really great um and and then you were talking about exotics so i want to who can forget yeah. about the great exotic drought of 2019? Oh, uh, yeah. that shit happened where... So for anyone that wasn't playing, essentially it was for the first... Oh, God, I don't even want to know. Like, month, two months of Forsaken? Like, nobody was getting any exotics. Like, mm-hmm. I got Trinity Ghoul during the campaign, which was wild. I remember that. And, oh, yeah, that's another thing. So Forsaken, right, introduced bows. And bows are huge now in the game. Bows are it's a pivotal central point of the gameplay now. Um, yeah, especially endgame. GM yeah, especially so. endgame. So, but I remember the exotic drought where we'd I'd play maybe 50, 60 hours of Forsaken. And, other, you know, I got one exotic. And it was during the campaign. So I went 45, 50 hours 
you know, and this was everybody. This wasn't just me with bad luck. You know, this is the entire community. It's Datto and Glad and Sweat and all these people just not getting any of the exotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was Grant who got Black Talon, Black Talon. first, and that was the first thing he got. And then I got it uh, um, like a few missions later, and that was like the only thing I had. And then I got Lord of Wolves from some bounties. Uh, a day later or something. Um, yeah. but yeah, you just had that surprise factor. Um, going to the, uh, what was the activity you were talking about in the dreaming city? It was uh, blind. Well, yeah, blind. Well, um, and still that blind. Well, is just a huge part of the game. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it, you still can do, you can complete some bounties, some quests with it. Um, and, it was just a really fun mode. Like there was, it was kind of like, like you said, it was kind of like a quarter oryx. It's just something you can run for a while. You know, that's not a main piece of content and you know, it's just something that's really fun. Do it for a few hours, you know, get some, get some really good rewards, maybe get an exotic from that too. Cause I know if you did the, uh, the most powerful, um, whatever it was offering or something like that, uh, you would get really good rewards and like mm-hmm. powerful rewards. Um, and it was just, it was a really good activity. And I think, and then that's what they kind of built off of after Forsaken. Cause when you had season of the forge, you know, season of the drifter and stuff after that, they would just yeah. do activities each season and have those raid layers. But I think they, they did a good job building off of that, off of Blindwell. Yeah. So, I do want to move on because I want to talk about Beyond Light and we'll be here for a good little bit. Um, So, right, we're in Forsaken, a year passes, you know, a few months pass and we get this trailer for Beyond Light. And in that trailer, we see the pyramid ships and we see the darkness. Yeah. So now, you know, obviously the hype is building, just like Destiny always does. Destiny is great about building community hype. And so then we get to Beyond Light, and now we have the darkness, which completely changed the game forever. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk briefly about stasis and PvP. I don't want to talk about PvP too much. Um but we'll talk very briefly about stasis and PvP. But obviously, stasis has literally completely changed everything. It's changed low-level stuff to GMs and raids. And, you know, the darkness is just such... It's the entire story now is focusing around the darkness. So obviously, the Beyond Light is this massive, massive landmark for Destiny as a franchise. So Yeah. It's just this wildly big expansion that had a good campaign, had all this, this and that, you know, good new sub, completely new subclasses for the first time ever, you know, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Firstly, I want to talk about Riven real quick. Uh, yeah. So Riven was such a last wish was such like a long raid. You know, you had all these streamers, yes. you know, it was 24 hours plus them completing that. Um. And it was really, really long, but that wasn't a problem, you know, because you had those long raids in D1. Uh, 
And, you know, those were kind of getting tedious. But Last Wish, you know, you have, what was it, like five, six bosses, something like that. A lot of encounters. Big raid. Right. And I just think they did a really, really, I think that was, you know, the best raid that they have put together. I think it was, you know, very structurally sound. You know, it was very fluid, you know, going from encounter to encounter. It didn't feel like something was out of place. Um, Although I haven't done Last Wish too, too much. Um, I, I just, I really think it's a great raid. Um, they did a really great job and that I think, um, you know, the raid layers leading up to that, there was something missing and that's why they wanted to redo it, you know, with shadow keep and beyond light, try to get those big raids back, you know, not just the, the little pieces of content, but have those big expansions come back. Yeah. Um, and you know, I remember the trailer for Beyond Light. Um, you know, it was this big darkness ship opening up. You had the Drifter flying and going to Europa, and you had Eris, the Drifter, and Elsie, you know, looking at the big pyramid ship that was there, fighting all the uh, the enemies and stuff. And you have Aramis, who's like a different part of the Fallen, a different house, right. and um, it's kind of the factor of the unknown kind of like Skolas. It was like a different full-on house. So it was a little bit a little bit different enemies. Um and then you know you see Varix again for the first time um since D1. uh right. Well in he's mentioned in I, yeah, know, but we see him for yeah. the first time. Right. Right. And it's kind of, you know, like you killed Cade. Yeah. But at the same time Fucker. we need your help to kill you know, Aramis and stop this darkness and you know the most about it along with Elsie. So we need your help as well. Um, I know we're kind of skipping over, um, fuck shadow, but I didn't feel like it was too, too important. We can talk about it briefly after we talk about beyond light. Um, but I didn't think I did. I felt it wasn't too crazy important because it didn't give us anything like crazy, crazy new in terms of like what Forsaken did and what, you know, like Taking King, right. You know, all these other big, big September expansions have all given us this crazy new Mm -hmm. big thing. And I feel like Shadowkeep didn't really do that, but obviously Shadowkeep was in itself a good expansion. I think it was pretty, a mid, a pretty mid tier expansion. It's just kind of like, Rise of Iron. Right. Like I thought it was good. I thought Garden was a good raid, fun raid. And I thought mm-hmm. it did good things, but overall I felt it was kind of uh forgettable, I think. Is a good yeah. word for it. Not that it's bad, but it didn't do anything super unique like all the other ones. Right. Yeah, and we'll get to that later. But um yeah, back to Beyond Light. So it, it just it was such a new factor, you know, you had these darkness ships that weren't talked about since you know, whenever ago, um, you know, back in D1 campaign, you know, they talked about the darkness. Sort of haven't seen anything about it until the end scene of the Destiny 2 campaign where you have the the Traveler, you know, exploding this big beam of light and, you know, these ships coming to life, these pyramids. Um, and I think it was a really, you know, very new expansion. You see the introduction of Stasis, you see you know, the introduction of a lot of new things, you know, the way that subclasses are done now, it's, it's very new. Um, and you know, it's just, it's very, unlike, unlike Shadowkeep, it's very, very different. They tried a lot of new things. Um, one 
one thing that I do love is, you know, after uh, each mission or a few missions, you know, you you commune with the with the darkness, um, and you get that a uh, little bit of time to use your super, um, you know, throughout the campaign, and you start to, you know, you get it at the very end, but you uh, you start to you can use it, you know what I mean, um, throughout the campaign. Um, and I think, you know, that was really cool as well as the campaign in general, you see the enemies using stasis, you know, the little, the mini bosses that Aramis has, and those were really cool. Um, and you see them using it and it made, it was this new element of, um, damage and this, the surprise factor, cause you don't really know what's going to be thrown at you cause you haven't really used stasis too much yet. You know, you don't know the abilities that enemies are going to have. So I think, you know, the new factor, kind of like what I said, uh, you know, getting people to come back for a lot of new things. That's what I think Witch Queen will do is get a lot of these players to come back and have all this new stuff where they keep players in the game for longer. And, you know, it's this yeah. stuff they've never done before. Um, Wait, and Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. And one thing with Beyond Light that I did have a tiny bit of a problem was, you know, you have... The darkness you have these darkness statues you know you're using stasis now it's like where's the darkness you know there's the pyramid ship influencing europa there's all this stuff but um that along with you know which we don't really know what witch queen's gonna have but um you don't really there aren't darkness enemies you know they do speak to you a little bit kind of like right. in season of the arrivals and all that stuff but you know you advertise the darkness and everything. And I, I'm not disappointed necessarily that they didn't include it in the campaign. I just was just felt hoping a little lackluster. For, right. I was hoping for a little bit more when it comes to the darkness. And I know that they'll have it in Witch Queen. The raid will be in the pyramid ship. They'll have it in uh Lightfall and they'll have it in the the final shape is that's where everything comes down to an end and you're actually it's gonna see such darkness and terrible name. I'm just gonna say yeah, that. I, I, I don't it's know, terrible, but, but yeah, anyway, um, it might have more of a, you know, greater yeah, purpose. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. There now. yeah, There's still three expansions we got to get to. That's very but, true. Uh, um, I think, yeah, the one thing that was just a little lackluster was I was hoping for more darkness enemies. And uh, other than that, I think the expansion was really good, like you said, with, uh, um, uh, what was the raid? Deepstone Crypt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember we did that raid. Yeah, we did uh, that day one. And we did that first encounter. Status the calamitous, Status calamitous. Uh, the second encounter was Fuck just... that encounter. So hard, you know, without the lament and all yeah, that stuff. To and the lament and, changed the game. But I do think the scale of Deepstone Crypt was the greatest scale we've had for a raid. I you agree. Because you go to freaking space... Like, you go to space, you have all this, you know, like the music when you're after the second encounter, you're jumping through space on all this debris and this exploded ship that Clovis Bray once had and all this stuff. And I think yeah. it's really cool that you have all of that. And um, I think they did a really good job of the raid, although I didn't really play it too much. Um, the one thing I didn't really like was they brought back Tanix, which is fine, but, like, it, you know, it's not really... Yeah, it's not really the greatest of all enemies. You know, I was kind of looking forward right. to who the boss was, and it's Tanix. I'm like, oh, I've already fought him. You know, been there, done that. Um, that but that's the only real content flaw. keyword. Yeah, yeah, right. 
that's that's the only real flaw I have with the raid, I guess. But I did like the scale. I think the raid was very, you know, I, I use this word a lot, but I think it was very fluid. Some raids aren't very fluid. This one, it felt yeah, like every encounter needed agree. to be there and all that. And then they introduced the chest system where each raid, if you had, it kind of like spoils a conquest for the tower vendor. If you have enough, um, I don't know what it is, but if you have enough of a certain material you can buy a certain weapon like they put in Vogue when they remastered it. You can, you know, heritage, you can get all these really good guns that at the time from Deepstone Crypt were the best guns in the game. Some of them yeah. still are. Um and you can use these keys and you can get um these really great weapons. And also uh Eyes of Tomorrow was a chance, kinda like, you know, Forsaken, like I talked about the surprise drop, Eyes of Tomorrow is a random chance. You know, you don't just get that weapon. And that was essentially the Galahorn at the time before they brought it back yeah. for the 30th anniversary thing. And, you know, it was really good in Gambit. It was really good for a lot of damage types or damage tests and like Crucible and stuff. It was a very good gun. But I think that's one thing that they really hit on was, you know, bringing that element of something new into the game. You know, the new raid chest. You know, they've been doing raid chests for a while is the same thing. But now you can get all these new weapons that they offer for you instead of just getting one, having to wait till the next week to get uh, the next one. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's, I think they did a really good job with this expansion other than Tanix and other than, you know, not the lack of, uh, you know, darkness enemies and stuff, but I think they did a really, really good job with this expansion. And that's why I'm so excited for Witch Queen is because yeah. we played Beyond Light for God, 16 hours the first day. So I remember we time. were, we were both on stream and waiting to get in the game for a little bit, but it wasn't to the point of, you know, too, too long. But um, it was just, it was a really, really fun day, and I can't wait for that experience again in about a month for which Yeah, and I think you made a lot of very, very good points that they maybe overhyped the darkness a little bit. Not overhyped is the wrong word, I think, but maybe overpromised a little bit on the darkness. And how present, like, obviously stasis is very, very prevalent throughout the campaign. But I think the darkness itself is obviously maybe a little bit lacking. It's kind of always there in the backgrounds, but it's never really too much at the forefront itself until maybe, like, the first or mission or two. And then, like, at the very end, I guess, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of just but, there. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of just there. In the distance. And... Yeah. So I thought that maybe was a little bit lackluster, but obviously then what we have to talk about with Beyond Light is Arrivals, I think kind of goes hand in hand. That Arrivals was obviously this massively, massively important um, season for the overall story and direction of the game that I think right. was this wildly big, popular like season probably the most popular season and the best season that we've had i think mm. arrivals was just very very good and very well done that has set up the next four years of destiny you know right and so i think that was very very well done and i think that stasis when it came out obviously had its problems but right. I think no matter what you did with Stasis, it's going to have its problems. And this is just like because of the nature of it, right? The nature, the ability to freeze enemies is always right. going to cause a problem. 
especially in PvP. And yeah, this yeah, this is a like a design note that I've heard before, mainly from high res who are the smite developers which is a game we'll talk about sometime in another episode um and it's a big thing in mobas especially so that whenever they release a new character they prefer to release that character overpowered instead of underpowered because it's easier from a design perspective to nerf something than it is to buff it mm-hmm. so in that sense i understand a little bit of stasis being strong but i still do also think that it was just way too strong and needed so much more tuning before it came out. And I think Beyond Light, although it was very good, might have benefited from the Witch Queen treatment from pushing it back a little bit. Yeah, I think the the whole like trial and error thing from Stasis, I think that'll be good for like future expansions. You know, I know they're not doing Stasis for Witch Queen, they're doing, you know, the new the remastered. Yeah void uh subclasses which i think would be really cool but i think it's a good thing they didn't put a new um you know a new batch of stasis out because you know we would just have the same problem that we did in beyond light you know just be these overpowered you know ice abilities that freeze everyone and all that stuff you know i think it'd be you know it was kind of detrimental to the game in the first few weeks um especially in pvp not so much in pve you know it was kind of fun using that but uh pvp it was just a nightmare um and i think that sorry go ahead no you go no you go uh no go ahead because i was gonna move us on so go ahead um but yeah i just think i think they're doing um a good job with handling stasis and they did the appropriate nerfs Although it did take a little bit, and I know they said they were going to do it later on down the road, but they moved it up, and I think that's a good thing that Bungie's team did, and I think they're making a lot of improvements when it comes to hot fixes and stuff like that because, um, you know, it's really important to the game, and I think uh, if they, as long as they continue to do that, make the community more happy, you'll see those players kind of stay for at least a little bit longer, you know, so it doesn't ruin right. the game essentially for them, but... um. I think it's I think it's a great great thing that they're doing. You know, they're hiring more people. They're doing this for this. You know, um, little increment in the game. You know, they're doing this for PVE. They're doing this for PVP. This for raids. This for nightfalls. You know, they're adding a lot of things. They're balancing a lot of things. And I think if they keep doing that, the game's gonna get a lot better overall. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up here today is. The community and like specifically this is a much bigger thing really starting when forsaken came out so world's mm-hmm. first is what i want to talk about first how fitting world's first is obviously this massive thing every expansion now world's first is the greatest achievement you can get in destiny now that used to not you know it used to be like cool you know but it was more of a intense i hate to use sweaty but sweaty player thing you know only Mm -hmm. the hardcore fans would pay attention to worlds first and now i think that just as naturally as the game has expanded and grown you know both in the streaming and the youtube side that worlds first is just a massive massive thing so i i remember what in shadow keep uh doing the world's first or watching the world's first 
garden of salvation runs that Dado had 80,000 concurrent viewers in his stream for yeah. the world's first and destiny was taught, you know, the top stream. It was the most watched game on Twitch for that day mm-hmm. when, um, world's first was going on, you know, it was bigger than Fortnite, bigger than apex, all these things. And that is obviously a massive, massive thing for destiny right. that I think is underappreciated maybe in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah, um, I think, you know, I always would uh, watch Worlds first. It wasn't a big thing for me in Destiny 1, but right when Destiny 2 came out, you know, the the Leviathan and everything, those things were really, really fun for me to watch. You know, I'd tune into Twitch, I'd watch my few streamers, you know, maybe uh, Broman, Goth, uh, Glad Sweat, you know, everyone, Mtash, uh, Dado, everyone that you know, is a big part of the community. I'd always watch them do their worlds first and switch between channels. And the numbers were crazy. It's like 50,000 viewers here, you know, 25 there. Um, it's a lot of people. Um, but I think that um, it's just, it's one of these big events in the game that, you know, everyone tunes in to watch and it makes the game very, very popular for those first few weeks, like I was talking about. Um, and it's just this huge event that, um, people will set aside their day to watch and, you know, sometimes participate in like you and I, um, for the first, well, deep some crib, but, um, you know, the next few raids, um, that are coming up. Yeah. I think that's a good point that, you know, it's, it just keeps growing. And I think that's only a good thing for the community. I don't mm-hmm. think that is in any way going to be a bad thing. And just community involvement in general, I think is huge. And they're doing a good job with that. I know they've always kind of done it with festival of the lost and that and dawning was even back in D one. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, those have obviously grown and are more of a thing now. And, you know, we've got solstice and all that sort of stuff. And even like with the community quests, which I thought were always super interesting that, we had these exotic yeah. quests that was the entire community had to play the game to get this thing done. And I think mm-hmm. that sort of thing is only ever good for a game because all it does is increase player base and it increases um, not interactivity, but there's a word that I'm looking for that I can't think of, but it increases that, you know, active number of players on a specific day. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think they should continue to do kind of like the the live event with uh, with the traveler that one time. I don't remember necessarily when it was, but they're yeah, planning on doing the Rasputin thing, right? Yeah, yeah, they're planning on doing that before Witch Queen, and I think that's going to be really interesting because it's kind of like the Fortnite, you know, Travis Scott concert. Right, right. It's kind of like these big live events that are happening and. I think it'll be really good to have everyone, you know, come to the game before the expansion, you know, see what's happening, maybe get them to buy the expansion so they'll play it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that they're doing. I think more community events in the future um, would definitely be, uh, would definitely not be detrimental to the game. I think it'd be very, very good for them to, you know, include everyone and uh, make some free events in the future. I know I've talked about for a while, this, you know, kind of battle royale prison of elders type thing that they should do. 
um, for Destiny, you know, make it free, kind of like Fortnite and Apex, to have that fan base. And, you know, you have the regular PvE, PvP, you know, fan base, like actual original Destiny, but you also have this free part of the game that everyone can play. And, you know, if they're really interested in it, they'll buy the regular game and see how that is. But I think that some point in the future they should at least experiment with it to see if they can get more of a player base, you know, make more money, make uh, bigger expansions, you know, put more detail in something that they haven't been able to in the past and that they use Eververse for a lot of stuff. You know, I, I'm guilty. I do love to buy my cosmetics. I think everyone does. But um, I think they need something else to get their money in. And I think some kind of Battle Royale or sign of the Battle Royale phase is kind of getting old. But something new would uh, definitely be... Um, healthy for the game to get more players involved with it yeah uh so this is all the time we have for today so i think we're gonna wrap it up here uh so thanks for being here i know you'll be a you'll be a regular on this show it'll pretty much be us two and then a mix in and out of our other friends that want to come on based on what game we're talking about and all that sort of stuff yeah. um and so yeah, sure. next week we're gonna um we're gonna talk about Smite next week. Um so I know you didn't play it a ton, but my good friend Grant is gonna come on who him and I are both super, super into it and you're pretty into it, so you will be able yeah. to hold your own in this conversation. But so we're gonna talk about that next week. So if you enjoyed it, uh follow I'll make an Instagram account, follow us on Twitter at um Press Start Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Absolutely.